from Smithtown, Long Island, you might know my next guest. For Memorial Day, I wanted to welcome a close friend of my close friend, Will Montezoros. I've got Captain Rob Corcinelli on. Uh, Captain, first of all, how are you doing? How is things for our Smithtown listeners? That how, How's everybody going by you today? Outstanding, outstanding. So I brought you on because obviously you... You have military expertise. You're actually in the uh, intelligence agencies here in America. I mean, you've done a lot for our country. So first things first, uh, what memories come around for you during these weekends each and every year? Um, you know, I don't know if it's that much about memories as it is um, trying to make sure people don't forget um, the sacrifices uh, men and women have given, you know, so we can sit here on a, on a holiday weekend and enjoy our families and friends and barbecue. So I guess it's more about um, remembering and, and not letting people forget. Well, and in this time of crisis, how are you guys planning to remember the loss of loved ones in, in Smithtown and elsewhere from Memorial Day weekend? How are you guys doing that through Zoom and virtual stuff? You know, uh, um, when you're looking at veterans or um, the, the real die-hard veteran support groups, uh, for example, Long Island Abate, it's, uh, you ever hear of Long Island Abate? I have not, uh, but you are introducing oh. me to that. Um, it's a biker association out here. Actually, it's, it's um, countrywide, but it's the Long Island chapter, very pro-military. Um, Bill Montsoris is actually a member. I'm a member. Um you know, these guys, nothing would stop them from getting on to Calverton and placing flags. Mm. So, you know, when they come up with these viruses and these crises, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't think the people who plan, you know, the shutdowns actually realize that you're not shutting down Americans from doing what Americans do best, which is remember and, and pay tribute and homage to the people who uh, sacrifice themselves, you know? I know that the parade around there has been canceled, yet there are other ways you guys are, are honoring them this weekend, right? Yeah, a bunch of groups went out today and placed the flags at the uh, at Calverton, you know, at the, um, the headstones. And just keeping in touch with each other, Facebook and and um, Twitter and all, all those things you can use to let veterans, especially the disabled veterans and all the veterans, let them know that they're still thought about and loved and cared for and uh, we're not going to forget that they need care and, and, and we're here for them. Well, and so how are you there for the veterans that are in need? I know you're part of, you're the president of Patriotic Consulting, you're with the Smithtown GOP, I mean you're very involved so what are the resources veterans can look to should they find themselves in trouble during this time? So our veterans group is called Veterans for More Responsive Government we started that group about seven years ago um, to ensure uh, we uh, we actually started a, a while back. Uh, I was still active duty. My buddy Sarge, he was active duty. We, most of us were still on active duty. But when we came home for the Thanksgiving weeks, we would do a clothing drive and stop the Northport VA um, clothing bank every year. And then we we started. Because we're home with our families for Thanksgiving dinner, what we did is we found a vendor who would make the same dinners we're having 
turkey and stuffing and, and sweet potatoes and all that stuff. And we brought it to a couple of homeless shelters. Um, then, you know, as the group grew and as I was getting close to retirement in 2017, I got to be friends with um, Frank Amalfitano. He's the CEO of Beacon House. And they have, you know, close to 300 homeless veterans sheltered in their facilities throughout Long Island, Nassau, and Suffolk. He also has a contract for the Northport VA. And when that closed down, Building 11 closed down, I believe it was January of 18, they did it within a 23-hour period. They just closed down because of the, the uh, dysfunction there and sent these homeless veterans to the different shelters out in town. Um, you can't do that with homeless veterans at the beginning of their, their homeless stage. they got to be on a campus where you know, they're closest to their, their care rather than out in Riverhead have to take an hour and a half bus ride to, to the VA. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we've been fighting hard against the VA and federal government to reopen that shelter, but um, Franco Malfatano, who's the CEO of Beacon House, we've been working with him since then, and we bring... Uh, meals to all the sheltered veterans in their shelters Thanksgiving, Christmas, Hanukkah um, Super Bowl St. Patrick's Day, Easter Passover Memorial Day well, Captain, has, so that has not changed. COVID has not changed that outreach is what I'm, I'm hearing in your voice. Like, that hasn't changed anything for well, no, outreach. It did. It did. Um, for Memorial Day and for Easter, we weren't able to go in there. It was to be, you know, especially um, Easter. It was just around the time when they had no clue what was going on. So all the shelters were shut down and uh, isolated. So we didn't get to do it Easter. And obviously, Memorial Day, we're not going to be able to do it. But, you know, sometime in the summer, we'll come back and do something great for them but we also work now with Phoenix House which has a shelter um, and they handle they house veterans with dependency issues so we've grown into an organization that gets homeless veterans jobs with the municipalities um, we feed and, and give special you know, we, we help bring awareness to that there's still a homeless veteran population out there and a veteran population with dependency issues so it's more about bringing light to the fact that these, these issues still um, out another one last thing we do is we raise money and if a veteran is in need of having a car repaired when they used to go to work we'll get the car repairs paid for you know anything to reduce the stress of disabled veterans when they when they, they you know they're at that point where they could be that part of that 22 a day that dies yeah. it's horrible uh, Captain do you feel like we could do a better job toward the veterans in not just honoring them Memorial Day and Veterans Day, but really year-round? I mean, I still feel we're not at that level yet where every day we say thanks to our vets. Veterans are our unique bunch. They're, they're not the type to say, help me. They're the type to say, I'm here to help you. So it's a, it's a different demographic. So you have to have the, the resources there. So when they... When veterans, disabled veterans, homeless veterans, veterans with dependency issues come out looking for help, it doesn't look like you're giving them a handout. You, you, you have to let them know this is a hand up. This is something you deserve. Um, we certainly are not doing what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, just the fact that we have you know thousands of homeless veterans shows you that we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. And that's what we do in veterans. 
programs for more responsive government to bring light to that. And we have a show now every other Wednesday on LI News Radio. I have a 30-minute segment, which bring, you know, I bring a lot of elected officials on there, Congressman Swazi and at um, Control of Denapoli on the other day. Um, Tell you what, DiNapoli really gets it, doesn't he? Comptroller DiNapoli is so, he gets everything about the state and our veterans. I have to say, I'm a registered Republican. I'm a Republican conservative. But I'll tell you this, if you call Tom Swazi's office, Tom DiNapoli's office, or uh, Rich Schaefer's office, they're on the radio show within seconds. And, and there's the Republicans too, you know, John Kennedy's been on, and uh, Rob Trotta. But with veteran issues, you have to, you know, you have to invite give people equal time because because they're on the left side of the aisle doesn't mean they don't want to help veterans and that doesn't also mean we should reject we shouldn't reach out like i love that you're reaching out to the other side as well uh, of the aisle captain though Well, I was going to say, so people listening to this, they probably know you through Smithtown. But for those who don't, who are hearing you for the first time, tell us your military story. Tell us your background as to how you got to where you are to become a resource for veterans. Stroke of luck, my friend. Stroke of luck. (laughs) Um, I went in the Navy 1986 to 90. I was active duty. I was reserve 90 to 94. Um, I came out and I, I said, you know what? I want to go to college. I went to college. You know, I had to do it at night, part-time. It took me four years, maybe maybe a little more. And then September 11th hit. And it took me a year to really realize that I'm sitting here working in a municipality and um, I'm not giving back like I really wanted to when I joined in, in 86. So I started training again to go back in the Army this time as an officer. Um, and I went back in in 2003 or four. Um, and I wanted to be a military intelligence officer, but in officer candidate school, the instructors believed I had a knack for leading infantry troops. So I did that for several years. Um, then I got hurt on a deployment came home and I was in what's called the Wounded Warrior Program. It's a program within the military where they try to get you back to 100%, but if not, they teach you in your transition how to come out and have a skill. Um, That's why I bumped into the Deputy Director of Operations in DIA, and she asked me if I'd come work at DIA headquarters in DC as her executive officer. And that's where I met General Flynn. I worked there for four years. And uh, I have to tell you, what happened to him was a shame because as a person who went out to dinner with him and had a relationship with General Flynn, he was probably one of the greatest patriots I've ever met. Uh, I would have followed that guy through the gates of hell. Uh, he, he, he was what every military officer should strive to be. Um, we know that. Was- I'm sorry. I just remember in 16, the Post runs, New York Post ran an article about Flynn, General Flynn saying he was calling radical Islam what it was, and the Obama administration was not happy with that. And then, of course, that kind of led them to investigate him. I mean, people forget that before this whole thing happened, he was disliked from the beginning, right? I mean, it seems like he was outcasted pretty quickly for his views, which also didn't help anybody because he had some pretty good views about how we beat these uh, terrorists. Yeah, 
you know, as a director of DIA, you, you you know what's going on all over the world. I think we had forty eight hundred case officers spread throughout the world. So you you know your fingers on the pulse, and he was warning them, warning them, warning them, but. They were so hesitant because it was exactly what he called it, radical Islam, that was the cause. And that was bad for Obama politics, to be saying things like that. So they chose the path of doing nothing rather than follow what he said was a tactic at its, at, at its core. Um, and the only person who would listen at the time was... was uh, Donald Trump, who was really not even a candidate at the time. Hmm. And I had I had uh, said on Facebook, you know, maybe he'll get a job in the Trump administration. Well, he did. And, um, I mean, who knew four years later he'd be dealing with this. But have you talked with his family at all? Have you been in contact with them? It's funny. Um, a very good friend of mine is probably one of General Flynn's closest friends. So I, I kind of keep track through... Um, of the, this Fulberg colonel who has more contact with him I contact him through email and, and, and text messages but it's not something that you know I, I don't see him personally and you don't want to ask those types of questions in a, in a text message but right. uh, my colonel brother he uh, he said um, General Flynn's spirits are, are raging high and he feels vindicated and he, he knew this day would come and we're all hoping he ends up back in the administration I think that could eventually happen. I do think a pardon is on the way. Uh, it's just we got to get through this crisis first. You know, uh, Captain Cornicelli, as you were talking, I, I had to. Th- I was starting to feel like you were not. After you first left your first tour and then after 9 11, you still weren't satisfied with um, your career, so you wanted to kind of put a cap on that by going back into the military and, and being deployed again. Do you think. Other veterans feel that, like if they're out for a period of time, they have that hunger to finish what they started as a military personnel. Definitely, um, I was medically retired in 2017, November of 2017, as 100% service connected disabled, and it's it's statistically impossible to get to 100%. Um, the way they calculate it is it's strained, but you have to be have just so many injuries that they don't calculate it and they just say 100% and if I have to say it was the saddest day in my life because uh, I was in the, the, the top office of DIA I knew what was going on worldwide I was going to some of the greatest training in the world and because of injuries it was all just taken away um, I guess it's like being on a sailboat and you know going 40 knots on the, on the ocean and laughing hysterical having the time of your life and the wind just cut out and you can't make the wind mm. come back on so I think that's what happened with a lot of veterans um, they, the wind is taken out of their sails and they have no clue what to do think about yourself being out in the ocean with no, no wind and that's where uh, uh, we come in because if we don't find something that satisfies that, that need they become 22 a day, you know? They do, and I've got to ask you, you must feel pretty thankful and grateful, and maybe, maybe even spiritually connected to God, that you're here to tell the story when others aren't here to tell their story. I mean, that that dynamic is so intense, because you're telling the story, yet you knew people, you saw people on the front lines that did not make it. Did that change life for you, seeing that? Um, 
um, I, you know, whether it's a whether it's a soldier in the field, whether it's a police officer on the beat, whether it's a fireman, you know, in a fire, you know, those are the heroes. Um, loss right in front of them. I can't say it's any different for a police officer who loses a partner than a soldier who loses someone on the battlefield. I just think we we have to be there um, with solutions the minute someone goes through that rather than just expect that they're going to recover and go on with their life. You started these, you were involved, you started some of these programs. Were you encouraged to do so or were you motivated once you got out to say, I'm going to start this resource? Like, when did that realization hit that we aren't helping enough well um as i was transitioning out uh the dia offered me a, um a federal job when i got out so i could have stayed down in dc as a you know a gs employee a federal employee and working for the dia in the same spot my wife wanted to come back home to long island and, and at that time a master sergeant buddy of mine was working for a, a local municipality and they were really kind of harassing this guy um, they, I, I can't say they did it on purpose but I don't like how they didn't look for solutions rather than just torment someone now, when you have a guy with PTSD and he may show up late for work that's not like the regular lazy bones person who shows up late for work this guy could have been up all night having trauma you know having uh, flashbacks I should say he's not I mean when you're talking about like a master sergeant you're talking about someone with 20 something years in the military second highest rank in the enlisted ranks and never late um when they are you you shouldn't be there yelling and screaming like you would a dog you should sit there and say why, why is this guy late let's see if we can help him um, and, and the problem is most of the people who work in a municipality have no training and leadership whatsoever. Um, in handling and, veterans at the job force, in other words, they have no training to deal with those kinds. When you go from private to, let's say, um, specialist to specialist to sergeant or lieutenant to, uh, to captain, every step up, you go through a, you go through a training, a leadership course. And that teaches you how to lead the people you just, the, the ranks you just left. Mm. Um, if you talk about like a highway foreman or a sanitation foreman, um, they take a civil service test and that's it. So they have absolutely no, if you look at the, the, the um, civil service titles, there's no leadership training whatsoever. Mm. So they don't know how to deal with crises or, or, or hardships with their employees. And that's the breakdown when a disabled veteran comes in, you're going to cause that guy to kill him, the whole girl to kill themselves because you have absolutely no clue what you're doing. You know how to fill a pothole, but you don't know how to deal with someone's problems, their internal problems. So that's where I started this organization to say to the town supervisors, let me help you. Um, and it's funny because I, I met with John Durso, he's the president of the Long Island Federation of Labor. I met with Nick Lamore and Jerry Laracuta, they're, they're the heads of CSCA, the unions out here. And I wanted to create the Veterans Board, which they have Veterans Court, where if you get in trouble, the district attorney can say, send this guy to the Veterans Court and they'll help you get through your problems. I want to start the Veterans Board, Nassau and Suffolk, where if you're a municipal or a union employee and you're having some problems, 
come before a board of your peers where HIPAA, HIPAA prevents you from asking people their medical issues, but if you got PTSD and you're an E5 and you know I'm a captain on a, on a, on a veterans board, you may say, sir, I'm having problems. Mm-hmm. And, and I can get out of you without breaking or violating HIPAA what they are and, and report back to that township and say, listen, this guy's got some problems. Let me teach your form and how to deal with it. So we're in the infancy stage creating that. Captain, are you finding it very, uh, not easy, but are you finding it a little more easier when the peers, when your peers can come to you instead of them going to someone else like a third party? Like the veteran to veteran communication saves lives, doesn't it? Yes, exponentially. Mm. Well, I'm glad that you're working on that. And, you know, you talk about PTSD in today's world. We're seeing that even COVID patients have it. And it's a different kind of PTSD, but... I mean, we cannot deny that this is existing in our front lines, right? That this is still an issue that we have to work with our nurses and doctors on now, and even the patients that survived COVID. I'm glad you said that. um, um, PTSD to me is the brothers and sisters on the front lines in battle where people are getting blown up and, you know, I don't want to get graphic, but they're driving down Route Irish in Iraq and their nerves are beyond um, um, on you know in the red because they don't know if an IED is going to blow up any second uh, PTSD is from those kinds of environments I don't necessarily like calling um, anything back on the home front if it's maybe a police officer or a fireman you know when you're going into situations where you have no control over that's PTSD um, we we should come up with something else to describe that the, um, the stress that some of these other people are going through, because PTSD from combat or going through a combat zone, it's different. Um, it's almost like cancer. You have breast, you have prostate. You have you look at them differently and you attack those problems differently. You know. So when a guy who's driven up and down throughout Irish and Iraq every day for you know, 180 days. That PTSD of never knowing if you're stepping on that that IED is different. Do you understand? Yeah, I do. I can't imagine that road. You know, no. driving along those roads, fearing for your life. Because here's the thing: the bad guys lay traps, and that's just the honest truth. They lay traps, and we have to be thankful when our boys and girls and men and women across overseas don't find them. Right? Like we have to be thankful every minute that happens, and they don't find a landmine. I just I don't want to see um, soul, uh, um, service members care when it comes to the word for the acronym PTSD watered down because somebody who uh, uh, who's yelled at by the foreman at work feels that they're stressed out and they they claim they know PTSD. It, it, it's just not the same. I've seen people just. Their, their nerves, their hands are shaking every second of the day when they're just driving a regular car down mm-hmm. 454 because they can't get past a whole entire year deployment of driving down the worst road in the worst place in the world where hundreds of IED pull up people hundreds of times a day. You know, you, you can't water that down. No, you can't. Captain, you are also part of the Smithtown Grand Old Party, the GOP. So when did you feel like, all right, I have to make changes 
through this organization and, and, and realize that politics and the military do go hand in hand um, for it to be successful for all of us. I'm not a, I'm a Republican conservative. That's my view. I'm not a Republican conservative zealot where some party leader is going to tell me um, that's our candidate when I believe the candidate doesn't hold the values. And you can see on the national level, you got people like Mitt Romney who he's a Republican, but the, the leadership can't count on his vote every single time. Um, you see that locally where, if, for example, we have a young man running for Congress in the 2nd Congressional District here. His name is Michael Petri. The man's been at every single military event I've ever had. Um, when he screened, he's an assemblyman. When he screened for Peter King's seat, Peter King's retiring, yeah. he was the, there were three people who screened. And I have friends on those screening committees. They said he was clearly the number one person screened, yet they chose... The person who screened last because his father was a powerful Republican Party chairman out here. Uh, I don't go for that. Because that guy who got the job because of his daddy's power is not a person I'm going to be able to count on when I have to knock on the door of Congress and say, we need $100 million to eradicate homelessness in the veteran community. You just wouldn't trust him, I guess. You wouldn't trust him then, in other words, this this guy that was handpicked. Yeah, so I started our own party, and it's called the Grand Ole Party of Smithtown. And it, we're gonna we're gonna expand and maybe make it the Grand Ole Party of Suffolk County, or maybe even up Long Island. And and just say to the leaders, we're with you, but make sure you buy the book mm. because if you're not, we're calling you out. If those days are over with the you know little old guys in the back room with the cigars, you know, making deals. Did you and feel? Then, did you feel like that? prior to Trump as well or did POTUS light a fire in you to say hey the establishment's wrong here we have to do something for our own sake it took me a long time to learn that just be, by being a party loyalist is not helping the party it's making it worse that you have to you have to voice opposition sometimes so you keep your party leader straight because just because you're accused you're a Republican doesn't mean your party leader is honest mm. Well, they always have the rhino, Republican in name only, right? So you got that oh, issue oh, you're dealing with. So, as you balance both of them, I mean, what have you been encouraging military leaders to run as well? Is there a push for that? Yeah, we have. Uh, we'll probably, we probably have maybe three or four primaries that we're setting up this year, um, and uh, three of the four are veterans or retirees. And we're going to continue down that line because I find that a, a member, a, a service member, understands. Uh, like a, you know, a private could tell me, "Sir, I, I don't think that's the right thing to do." And I'm, as a leader, I'm going to sit there and say, "Well, why is a private telling me that?" And I'm going to reevaluate myself for my decision um, because the guy had the guts to say to me, "Did I miss something?" Mm. Uh, in the party, it's, it's, there's no, um, the leaders don't say, oh, that might be a good idea. Let me, let me think about it. Stay away or no way. So with military members, you have more honor and integrity in the decision making. What is your, um, what is your message this Memorial Day? It's such a different day because we're all sort of still indoors. You can't really gather. So, how do we truly continue the legacy of those who've gone before us 
um, from home because that's kind of what we're going to have to do today. Don't be home. Go out. You know, stay, stay to wear a mask. You know, it's not, you don't know what to believe anymore. Um, just get out there. Don't sit home. Don't don't let it get to you. Uh, there's, there's still people overseas fighting. Um, have as much fun as you can. Enjoy your time with your friends and family. Keep your social distance as best you can. But don't let a crisis dictate your life. And feel free to, um, and I agree with you. I mean, I, I love roll. You know, I roll blade on one leg, so I do that all through the city, and I kind of am doing that in Queens here too. So it's good to get out. But um, on the veterans, though, we're seeing people like Schumer and others exploit the fact that hydroxychloroquine may not be working at the VA. I mean, when you see those stories, as a veteran that has gone through so much, it must tick you off that now they're using maybe veteran VA as a pawn against Trump. It's kind of sickening, isn't it? Beyond sickening, and, and Chuck, you bring up Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer has done uh, more photo ops at the VA here in Northport uh, about ho- uh, homelessness and a homeless shelter, and has done absolutely nothing. Where Tom Flossie, who's a Democrat, the minute I uh, I hung up with him on, uh, he came on our show, my radio show. Uh, within about a half hour, he emailed me and, and the other host, Jay Oliver. A letter he sent to the chairman of the Veterans Committee asking for an update on, on this one thing we're fighting for, which is called liver fluke. So there's guys who are going to act and there's guys who don't act. And, and Chuck Schumer doesn't act. He's a guy who just will throw out a bomb because he's got the pulpit like uh, it's killing people in the VA, which we all know it's not. I, I, you know, didn't kill President Trump, but he's been on it, what, three weeks? Yeah, yeah. Just go back for a second. You said the what is the project that you're working on with the Veterans Committee, and is this the Congressional Veterans Committee that you're talking about? So, Vietnam veterans, when they were in Southeast Asia, a lot of them contracted this thing called liver fluke, and it's spelled out just the way you hear it: liver and fluke, like the fish. Um, it's this parasite. And what it does is comes from the water in places in Southeast Asia, and it just kind of swims around your bloodstream for years, 20, 30 years. And at some point, I, I don't know why, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a scientist, it attaches itself to an organ, a liver, or, or and it starts secreting a chemical. And these Vietnam veterans are now coming down with cancer, and they're dying, and it's from this liver fluke. And it's almost like Agent Orange all over again, where... The VA is denying them care. So I'm working alongside uh, First Sergeant Welsh, retired First Sergeant Welsh, and uh, Sergeant Gerald Wiggins, who actually has it and is suffering from it. And we're fighting Congress to get funding into the research of this liver fluke and, and the treatment. Um, and they've been sitting on their hands for years. I, uh, I believe it's H.R. 2568 is the House resolution. Um, and it's sitting in the Veterans Committee. HR 2568. I'm going to text you. I believe. Uh, I'm going to boot up my computer so I can give it to you. Uh, I believe it's HR 2568. Captain, this is a serious thing. So, how can people help you get the word out about this and really call their congressman to get this passed to investigate this? You know, believe it or not, it, it, it comes down to likes. And that sounds funny, but we have our Facebook page, right? And and we've got about a thousand followers. And the more it, it, it's this said, my brother, it's this said. Mm. They listen to you 
when they see how many people follow you. So, you know, just go to our, our Facebook page and start following what we're doing so when we contact an elected official and they see the audience and they see how many supporters they have, you have, they start saying, oh, we better pay attention to this. Uh, and that, what's the Facebook page, just so I can write it down and we can share it with our audience? It's called Veterans for a More Responsive Government. So on Facebook, it would just be the ad sign, then V-F-A-M-R-G. I will definitely look that up, and I will definitely share that in one of the uh, chapter links here during this conversation. But, you know, during this COVID crisis, I feel like all we heard was about COVID. We didn't hear really about the veterans that were affected by it. We didn't hear about other surgeries that needed to be done. It was kind of wiped off the map. So how were you able to keep help for the veterans alive when the media would bury anything other than COVID stories? Um, It's been very difficult very very difficult to um, keep the awareness going we use our radio show uh, and I keep inviting elected officials on it so they know we're not we're not dropping the ball on this and that we're not gonna um, yeah it is 2568 bill um, HR 2568 it came up in 2019 hmm. well that's another bill we gotta fight to get passed and help and I know at least with the Senate, we know that they would pass something like that because they are GOP-controlled and they kind of get it uh, more so than I think the Democrats tend to at times. Yeah, you know, again, I think it's just more of the kicking and screaming. Mm. Who kicks and screams the most gets gets the funds. And it just is going to come down to if we kick and scream the most... Even Nancy Pelosi is going to have to, you know, fund or, or pass a, a bill and send it to the Senate that says we're going to take care of this little folk. But if there's ten of us crying about it, they're going to say this is it's not even worth the research. Uh, is is Swazi in Pelosi's ear? Like, can she? Can he really get her to make a difference? Um, I think Swazi's in everybody's ear. He's relentless. He's like Zeldin, and he's like, uh, uh, you know, I'm no. I'm, He's like the young Peter King. Uh, he's like a Michael Petri. Just Michael Petri's the assemblyman I was telling you about. The guy is relentless. Relentless. Mm. Um, he won't stop until he gets someone to hear his voice um, and, and Swazi's that way. So we have so we have a couple of good uh we have Lee Zeldin, we have Tom Swazi here. And if we get this guy Michael Petri and I we're gonna have some powerhouses out here who will bang down the doors of uh, their, their peers from Capitol, Capitol Hill to get us the funding. And you know why I know that? Because they know I'm going to bang on their door. Good. Okay. Do that. And I know we'll have a team with William and others from Smithtown helping you out throughout the way, right? I mean, you've got a great contingent out there. You know, they're... they're you're familiar with Freemasons, right? Yes, yep. <laughs> I'm also a Freemason and a lot of people in my organization are Freemasons and you know once you get past Oak Island and the whole BS about it being a secret society it's a fraternity and the, the main thing about being a Mason is to make men better men and as corny as that sounds it's not we, we, we discuss how to be better men how to be better fathers better husbands um, how, how do we make it how do we fight a back against this old west push to mm-hmm. you know put men to the side 
Mm -hmm. Um, And so a lot of these Masons are part of our group. Bill Malzoris is, you know, he's a godsend. And we have a lot of those. Uh, We have Alicia and and Doug. We have a group of people who, and then our veterans, who are nonstop promoting veteran issues. When we have our event, there's 30, 40 people there. You know, to, to deliver meals. And so I want to ask you about the women, though, because there are female service women in, in our armed forces. How do you guys help them along as well? Well, we have a dynamic girl um, in our group. Her name is Sergeant Dawn Amato. She's a disabled veteran. Um, she, about six months or maybe a year ago, she received her uh, her service dog, Peaches, um, and the service dog is doing wonders for her. And she's at every event. Anytime we're delivering something to a homeless veteran, she's there. And um, she's our voice for, for women veterans because, listen, I'm an old-time guy. I'm 51 years old. I think men and women are different. I'm not even going to try to put myself into a woman's head and understand how to deal with the issues they face as I would face them as a man. Uh, yeah, when you're married, you get in a lot of trouble for that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, it's good how we have some women on, in our group who uh, make us understand that hey, let, let us take on this 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 problem with this female veteran. We know how to handle this. Mm. And it's you know it's great having women involved and, and them um, exerting their 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 will on on uh, you know the, the fixes, you know. Captain, where can people find you on Twitter and Facebook and elsewhere? Are you on Twitter as well? I am. So you can go um, on Facebook. Again, it's uh, VSAMRG, Veterans for More Responsive Government. We also have uh, our Facebook page, which is Veterans for More Responsive Government. Um, Twitter, I'm just under my name, Robert M. Cornicelli. All right. Well, we will definitely look that up and one last thought you want to leave with us today as we are Memorial Day weekend and honoring our troops, the fallen ones, uh, what's your final message to them today and, and definitely want to have you back for more conversation on this my final message and, and, and it's, you know, everyone says it but you just can't forget you can't forget the sacrifices especially with World War II and, and World War One, that generation Korean War, Vietnam you know, the Vietnam guys are getting up there. It is our responsibility. Put all this politics aside and this hate and this TDS and, the, you know, and, and come together for, for the veteran issues. Like, you come together for an issue like cancer. Um, we can, veterans can, can't be used, that demographic can't be used at, um, in a bill to get something that's passed like they're doing with COVID. You know, when it comes no, to hey. veterans bill or a COVID bill, just pass a clean bill to help. You know, attacking riders. You know what I'm saying? Just focus on these veterans so we keep alive. Well, Captain Cornicelli, this was very special. Please come back. We've just only t- touched the iceberg, you know? So I want to have you back as, as things unfold for the bill and other things you guys are doing. I'll keep you posted, my brother. Thank you, Captain. I'm Alex Garrett. We'll continue more of the Memorial Day coverage tomorrow. Until then, have a safe uh, Sunday. For Memorial Day, I wanted to welcome a close friend of my close friend, Will Montezoros. I've got Captain Rob Corcinelli on. Uh, Captain, first of all, how are you doing? How is things for our Smithtown listeners? That how, How's everybody going by you today? Outstanding. 
standing outstanding. So I brought you on because obviously you you have military expertise. You're actually in the uh, intelligence agencies here in America. I mean, you've done a lot for our country. So first things first, uh, what memories come around for you during these weekends each and every year? <laughs> 